Welcome to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast, where our gang of sci-fi fans will boldly go where few fans have gone before. Okay, not really, but we'll have fun discussing and interacting with our favorite shows and films from all over the sci-fi universe. We love Trek the most, but our love for Trek means we have a great appreciation for sci-fi in general. Join our panel of sci-fi fans from all over North America and beyond as we share our opinions and thoughts on this deep and incredibly diverse genre of storytelling. Our mission here at the Big Sci-Fi Podcast is to entertain and have fun, so you'll hear all types of views in a light and fun atmosphere. If you love sci-fi, this is the perfect space station for you to dock at. We invite you to come aboard and stay a while. You've got friends right here on the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. Welcome back to the Big Sci-Fi Podcast. I'm Adina Mignona, author of Crazy Foolish Robots, and I'm here with my fellow partners in sci-fi fandom. Hey, I'm Brian Donahue. I'm a pastor, church planner, musician, writer. Happy to be here with you guys. Uh, and I'm uh, Christian Fox, and I'm a mediator and podcaster about Star Trek. And I'm Steve Merkin. I'm a retired member of the jewelry industry, and I've been contributing to the website Warp Factor Trek uh, articles to them. Great. Well, welcome back, guys. And hi, everybody. Well, does everyone have their, their drink of choice ready tonight? What <laughs> folks should know is, you know, before we, we get on these podcasts, we wind up spending like a lot of time just talking about random stuff. And we were all showing off the different you know, Star Trek <laughs> mugs and, you know, related paraphernalia. So I've got <laughs> I've got my my Trek mug full of all the different ships from all the different series with some some decaf tea. <laughs> Nice, nice. I, I have a Star Trek mug as well, which is of the original Enterprise, and I'm drinking tea Earl Grey hot, don't you know? Uh, but I've also got a wine glass that's got Star Trek in, uh, put on it somehow, and it, but it's just Canada dry. So maybe next time I'll fill it with wine. Earl Grey would be great, <laughs> but I'd be up till midnight, and I, I, I need oh, to sleep see, after this. <laughs> see, my wife found decaffeinated. So... Ah. Good. See if it's really decaffeinated, though. Chris, Steve, you guys got something to got I something to drink to carry don't have you through? Anything to drink. I've just got some reheated coffee in a Hawaiian coffee mug. That doesn't work very well, but I do have. I showed earlier my Chateau Picard wine glass, which I'm saving for the arrival of season two of Picard mm. to enjoy with my Chateau Picard wine. Yeah, that that uh, can't wait for oh, can't wait for Picard season two. Yeah, it's, it's gonna, gonna be fantastic. Be fantastic. Okay, and we'll I'm sure talk about that in the future. But today, I think we were gonna talk about some things related to robots and AI. But th the first thing I wanted to ask is from our last episode. Did anything we talk about make you go like watch something or rewatch something in sci-fi with the exception of a particular episode of Outer Limits we're going to talk about in a few minutes? <laughs> well, shoot, that was going to be my answer. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I will say this is I became very interested in, in re-watching Independence Day. Um, oh, awesome. I saw it the other day and after, our, after our first episode and I was like, Man, that is a fun movie that I just don't watch. Mm -hmm. I, I've probably only seen it twice. Um, so it might be like brand new to me watching it. And I also want to rewatch iRobot. 
So not not only those uh, pretty cool films, but also Will Smith um, films, and uh, and also just I, I'm curious to watch the entire series of The Outer Limits now, because um, uh, I I have not I've been aware of it for years, but never tried to watch it. So I'm very interested. I think I might become a fan, like like my cool. friend Steve is. That would be very uh, very cool because. Good television does not go away. I mean, people have been watching I Love Lucy reruns since the beginning it first aired, mm -hmm. and it's still great. And to rewatch these things, and myself personally, I've been rewatching the Twilight Zone, uh, and it's I forget just how great some of the episodes were, and how I've actually not seen mm -hmm. every single one of them, which is actually good. Yeah, Twilight Zone is great. I still haven't watched all of it because it does really creep me out, but I, I liked it. Mm -hmm. um, that's it for me. I don't know. I was going back and watching TNG and not watching war-specific episodes, but the whole war parenting thing, I think I'm coming around on because mm -hmm. I completely forgot that mm -hmm. Alexander wasn't was actually still on the Enterprise by season seven. And I think what it comes down to is maybe the fact that because of the nature of TNG, they couldn't really focus on kids. So they just made Worf seem like a bad parent by not mentioning the fact that, no, Alexander's <laughs> still here. Though I do wonder why he didn't ask him to come with him on DS9. That's the only thing that was odd. Well, because I think DS9 would have been a, a good action. Well, I mean, based on the fact that Jake and Nog were able to grow up on DS9, mm. DS9 would have been a far safer place for... Alexander than the Enterprise. Right. But you also have to take into account uh, the age that Alexander was getting to at that time. So he's get, getting into his you know, teenage years. And while I don't necessarily know what teenager you know, years are like for a Klingon, um, <laughs> that, you know, the what the kid wants to do uh, right. will weight heavily. So, yeah, for all we know, Worf wanted him there. And Alexander was like, no, I want to be wherever, you know, and actually now that I think about it, I don't know, did they say, I know they said where Alexander was, but I can't remember. Yeah, I thought he was with his grandparents, yeah. like even when he was older, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that sounds right. I just, I don't remember. Mm -hmm. So that, the only thing about that is if he was with the grandparents as he was older, it's a little bit strange because they specifically say that we love Alexander, but we can't take care of him any longer because we're but getting worn out. Right. But there's a difference between taking care of like a five-year-old taking care of a teenager. The well, worn out comes with a physical worn outness, which so I could see them, you know, accepting that you know, they don't have to chase after him if he's 12, 13, 14, 15, like they do when he's four or five. Okay. Yeah, yeah. maybe that's true. Remember, I'm living it with these kids, right? I'm just <laughs> so saying. I just this is imagine stuff in the my forefront of my, my head. Is every day. more is difficult mm -hmm. for older human parents, yeah. Like who are like who yeah. are grandparents at that point, yeah. But I don't know. I don't know what Alexander was like as a teenager. Yeah. The I just wish they could have done a better right. job with the like justifying it instead of just saying he's shipping them off. Mm -hmm. But I think that's just a challenge with with the writing, at least especially for TNG. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then sure. when you see the love and the attention mm -hmm. that Archer is get, or or um, Porthos is given in Enterprise, it's like okay, well, why is the writing changed? I don't even know how to phrase that. It just seemed like okay, maybe maybe they got 
better at writing those kinds of relationships. And maybe because it's a dog, it's easier than mm-hmm. having a child actor. It just seemed like they did so well with Jake. They couldn't quite do it with, with Alexander, which well, is frustrating. But again, you've got two totally different parenting methods or styles or things. You've got Cisco who was into being a parent. He, he wanted to be a good parent. He was into it, whatever, all that stuff where with Worf, again, this was dumped on him. This was a surprise. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, hard to, it's not that he didn't want to be a good parent at that point, but it wasn't like he, he wasn't, he's not the same father. As his right. What, what yeah. I mean to say though, is I'm not saying Worf's parenting mm-hmm. ability was like, wasn't the problem. Like it was fine when he was there interacting with Alexander. Sure. He was really, he was really uh, strict. And his parenting style might not be the most human, but he was still actively parenting. It's the fact that they never really showed him actively parenting mm-hmm. for a lot of the season. I think maybe there's only two or three episodes that are actually devoted to him parenting. Yeah. So I don't yeah. think it was the fact that he was necessarily a bad parent. It's just that the writers never showed him actually doing that. Mm-hmm. Whereas the writers dedicated a lot of scenes to show or or scenes of uh, Cisco and Jake. Well, Cisco was the main character, you know, it was basically the main character too. Mm. So he's going to get more, more time. <laughs> right. But even just like a little quick scene or some dialogue or something here mm-hmm. and there, it just seemed like they were paying it lip service. They could have, I think they could have done more. I mean, I feel the same way about Ensign Kim, quite frankly. It's like they could have done more with that character. Well, yeah, that's a whole different uh, yeah, level of should have, could have. <laughs> yeah. The best, before we jump into robots, the best father-son episode on Next Gen, though, is by far, when you're talking about Worf and Alexander, is A Fistful of Datas. Right, that yeah. That was no, a that... fun, that was like hanging out, you know, learning little, le- you know, um, I just, I think that was fun to see Alexander partake in that with, with his father and um, just a fun uh, episode and a good data episode too mm-hmm. in a, in a, yeah in i just a wish they place. could add more of that that's my biggest I complaint. but i, I mean i feel that mean. way about a lot of characters in the series mm-hmm. that could have did that deserved more screen time yeah i think i think that would make a good podcast too guys actually is it, whether it's star trek or star wars who did who do we think who would we have loved to have more more of in this film or this series um that would be interesting that's I'm a sure good we idea yeah definitely yeah. So, was no there anything, anything else from from last week that you guys wanted to cover before we we talk about some robots, which is my favorite thing to talk about? Is it really? I, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> <laughs> I tell well, you what. I tell you what. I'm I'm with Chris. I've it, it made me go back and watch some next gen uh, episodes, um, particularly around data to kind of refresh myself and see. Um, what, and, and I have been, it's been like rediscovering a few episodes for the first time. Mm-hmm. It's been really cool. Yeah. I watched Eye of the Beholder, which is not a data episode, but it says it has some weird concept. It talks a lot about suicide, which I don't know mm-hmm. if it handled it well, but that's a whole other discussion for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always good to go back and rewatch with like a different eye or a different, yeah. you know, using a different part of your brain to, to parse through it. Cool. Steve, what about you? Anything? 
No, I'm I'm ready to talk about what we're here to talk okay, about. Okay, let's talk I'm about excited robots. about that. And uh, I, I, it's just since since it came up in the plan for this podcast, I am really excited about this conversation. Cool. So okay. uh, when we, whenever you want to get going, I'm ready. Well, well, let's <laughs> let's start. Well, Steve, let's start with you. So, who would you say is your favorite robot or AI outside of Trek? Well, we'll get back to Trek, but outside oh, of Trek, wow. who's your favorite robot? You know, first thing I'm going to say is that's like asking me which is my favorite <laughs> child. Because considering all the various robot characters that have been in movie and television, it is astronomical. I mean, if you go to the Twilight Zone, it may be the grandmother from I Sing the Body Electric, or it could be B9 from. Lost in Space, the favorite puppy dog robot, or going into Holmes and Yo-Yo, a TV show about a police officer with a robot, or even Jaime the robot from from <laughs> Get Smart, who was one of the funniest robots oh of gosh. all time. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Exactly, and that's why I was been pondering. And if you're going to ask me who is the one that really I always think about. And it is going back to what we're going to discuss maybe later is The Outer Limits. It's an episode called Demon with the Glassed Hand. And it's a story about a man who realizes he's only 10 days old and he has a mechanical hand. His left hand is, is a robotic hand. And he tries to figure out why he's there. And it turns out he's been sent from the future to the past, and he is to uh, somehow survive and get the missing fingers from his mechanical hand. And as he does, he learns more about, we learn about the, uh, these creatures called the Kaiban, who are in the, a thousand years in the future, who attack Earth and are defeating it. And humanity releases a plague to... Uh, to wipe out the aliens and essentially would wipe out humanity, but humanity disappears overnight. And the whole story takes place in the Bradbury building in downtown Los Angeles, made famous, more people remember it, from the uh, movie Blade Runner. The end oh, of the film mm -hmm. takes place in that building. And as he, he is befriended by a woman named Consuelo, who was played by Arlene Martel, who happened to have been uh, Spock's girlfriend from the original series during the Seven Year Itch episode for Oh, for, to Pring, to Pring. Uh huh. Yeah. And so she befriends him, and he in turn defeats the uh, Kaiban that are brought back from the future. To hold on, I just got the him. Seven Year Itch joke. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm like going, I don't remember an episode titled The Seven. Oh, no. no. A mock but, but for anyone listening, a mock time. time. Yeah. A mock yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Funny. And that funny. was the season two, the first episode of season two, right? Yep. First yeah. episode. Yep. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, and, and so um, as he defeats them, he, re he gets the missing fingers and he finds out that he is a robot. And oh. all of humanity has been recorded on a uh, copper wire that's within his circuitry. <laughs> and he must wait a thousand years plus 200. And when that time passes, the plague will be gone and humanity can be restored. 
So he becomes this, at the end, when Consuelo, who is, as she's helping him, falls in love with, loves with him, falls in love with him, she find, finding out that he's a robot, she is reviled and she leaves him alone. And he is now, there's a right in the, in the episode, he's Gilgamesh. He is mm. the man who lives forever, but alone. When I saw that, oh. when I was eight years old, I literally was in tears thinking about this poor creature who was going to have to spend 1,200 years without anyone to love him with only the knowledge that when that 1,200 years is up, he'll complete his mission. Okay, i got to watch this. It, yeah. <laughs> it was written by a guy named Harlan Ellison. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Demon with and, the glass hand. Uh-huh. And then this okay. director named Byron Haskin, who mm-hmm. made a few movies, directed <laughs> it as well, and it stars Robert Culp. Oh. And... And I had the pleasure of running into Arlene at a sci-fi convention a number of years back. And everybody was walking up and talking about a muck time, a muck time. And I walked up to her and I said, thank you for your contribution to that episode of The Outer Limits. And she was, her face lit up like, really? oh my God, they remember me for something else besides that. Mm-hmm. And we wow. had a wonderful conversation about the mo- the episode and... Uh, when the day that Robert Culp passed away, that's what I watched on TV mm-hmm. to commemorate because he was such a great actor. Mm-hmm. And this is a remarkable episode, um, which I thoroughly recommend. So, man, okay, that's going on the list. Yes. Actually, I'm just going to just watch, you know, I, I thought I had watched more Outer Limits than I have. But when mm-hmm. I was looking at the list this past week, I'm like, I, I don't, maybe I have it. I just don't remember. It was just so long ago. But yeah, I, I guess Outer Limits is a big rewatch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm debating. It's like 25 bucks on Apple. So I'm kind of thinking yeah. like instead of just renting, buying one, there's like a lot of episodes to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might just make the jump. I don't yeah. know. I'm going to sleep on it. So so Chris, your favorite, favorite non-Trek robot or AI? So this wasn't actually that hard for me to answer. <laughs> this might be a strange answer, but it's Jarvis from the uh, Marvel Universe. Oh, and, nice. Um, I like when Jarvis becomes uh, Vision, but I, I mean specifically, so I like that aspect, but I, when I think about like my favorite AI, it's it's Jarvis before he becomes Vision. Just because I love the combination of him being an AI, so being like, mm-hmm. a, like a computer, but also the fact that he has a dry wit to him and he's able to recognize humor and make jokes. And I love the fact that Tony Stark can not give super specific instructions, but that Jarvis will still understand and be like, oh, I know what he wants me to do, even though he's not using or, or giving a specific command. Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I agree with you. It's, it's a wonderfully well-written character, well-spoken character. And it's, he's really Alfred the Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good, I would not, I was not expecting uh, that as yeah. an answer. It's great. It's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Brian. Yeah, I've, I, I might surprise you guys. I might not. Um, so my sentimental favorite, uh, I'm going to pull in Adina and, <laughs> and have a couple here like you did in our last episode. Um, but uh, I love the new robot from the new Lost in Space. 
I think he's super cool. They gave him a little more dimension. It wasn't really the humorous thing, you know, like on the original, which I wish they'd done a little more of. Um, but his loyalty to Will Robinson is intact and pretty powerful. And um, it's some interesting thing because there's always possible danger as Will Robinson's family is not quite sure about Robot for all of season one and even into two. Um, so check that out. But uh, here's what might surprise you guys. I am really into a newer show called Another Life. Um, mm, okay. Uh, Netflix has, has been Katie, recommending that to me. Yeah. Katie, is it Sackoff? Sackoff. 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 Yeah. Um, who's been in Battlestar Galactic? Mm-hmm. All kind. Of, she was. She even made an appearance uh, as a Mandalorian in in the Mandalorian, um, which was surprise. That was neat to see her in that in towards the end of the first season, and um, so check that out. But they yeah. they have an uh, character artificial intelligence named William aboard their ship that is kind of their science guy and he uh katie her character does a lot of the interaction with him but he's he knows medical he knows everything science he knows how to fly the ship how the ship works and everything and so they just call him up and he appears not unlike the doctor from voyager um and he's he's played by wonderfully by samuel anderson which is a british actor uh he's been in all kinds of stuff uh on the bbc and other things too but um check him out he's i i think he's an interesting because there's a real emotional they gave him a ton of emotion and compassion for the crew and care and sensitivity for the needs of the crew um which makes it interesting knowing that he's an ai um so that's kind of that's that's where I'm at. Good, cool, yeah. That's again on on the list. There's so <laughs> much to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of <laughs> hard. So, for for my own favorite non trek robot or AI, you know, uh, yes, I, I always have multiple answers. I, I guess I have a tr- I have trouble picking picking you know clear favorites. <laughs> so on one hand, I have to say the robots that I created in my own book they have to be my favorite. Is that is oh, that yeah. allowed? Are we allowed? I think to, that's allowed. Is that right? legal? Sure. Those okay. are her children. You I have mean, to how many people do you know? Like that's that's it. It. Okay. You know what? I that's, I'm sorry. That was insensitive. Of that's me. okay. Uh, no, no, no. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I've been debating whether or not I could I could do that, and whether or not it counts. But it's so it's our podcast. We make be. the rules. But yeah. but I look at you know. But then I look at. So I take my book out of the equation for a moment and I look at all the things that I've watched and read. And I guess, yeah, there's different favorites for different reasons. Like you're sure. saying the sentimental favorite. So the sentimental favorite is has to be R2-D2 and C-3PO for me because right. that cool. was yeah. the first robots that I recognized as robots. Uh-huh. And that was those were the ones that inspired me to be interested in robots and learn computer science and, and oh, do all this cool. stuff. So has to be that. But then if I take away that to be like, well, no, really, what's my favorite? The one that I keep picturing in my head, and I don't know why, because I can picture a lot, you know, I picture a lot of different ones, but I love Wally. Oh, I love the robot or I love the Wally, you know, like they're just He was on my list. He was on my list. That movie made me cry. Yeah, Wally yes. is without a doubt an excellent choice because he is such a sympath- sympath- sympathetic character, such a loyal character. Mm-hmm. I have told people that that movie explains 
the importance of holding hands. Aww. And yeah. all he wants to do is hold Eve's <laughs> hand. Yeah. And she rejects him or not. But in the end, mm -hmm. that, that's what love is. I mean, that movie defines love. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, it's wonderful. And I have a soft spot for animated stuff. Mm -hmm. I just love animated stuff, whether it's animated that was intended for kids or animated intended for anybody. I There's a whole bunch of animated, you know, oh. there, so with robots, there's Big Hero 6, which oh, yeah. I just yeah. loved. Uh, and then there's a, a TV show. I think there's only 10 episodes or so, but my, my son introduced it to me. It's called Elliot from Earth. Hmm. Um, Elliot is a, a human kid, but where they go, where him and his mom travel to, there's a lot of robots and they're funny. It's just so funny. Some of the things they did. So yeah, there's a, oh, there's so much good stuff out there. <laughs> well, you know, if you break up animation from, from live action, mm -hmm. then you have to look to me. It's the iron giant. Oh, yep. Yep. That's a great one too. That is a superb movie written by a remarkable director and writer, Brad Bird. Uh, who gave you The Incredibles, and a very obscure little cartoon called The Family Dog. And if you've never seen it, mm -mm, don't know that. it is without a doubt the hilarious, funniest thing you'll ever watch on TV. Oh. And uh, just as a, you know, since everybody's saying, oh, I've, I've got two choices, you know, so I'm going <laughs> to just throw this out. That might be my favorite robot, but I think the most complex and interesting AI character that I've ever come across is the movie Her. Oh, yeah. I still haven't seen that. Oh, with, Joaquin oh, Phoenix? With, with yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Oh, wait. You find out of? what happens when Yeah, no, it is, is Joaquin Phoenix. You're right. Okay. okay. Yeah. That I haven't seen it, but remarkable. I... Oh, it's a remarkable episode. It's a remarkable movie. And Scarlett Johansson, as an operating system, is... She's great. The, the it she It's all her voice. And her voice is... It, it's it's a it's a character that you can wrap your arms around. It's so good. Well done. That's cool. If we're mentioning other picks, what about Hal? <laughs> because I forgot about Hal, and I Who? don't know why I didn't think of Hal. Oh, Hal, Hal. yes. <laughs> Two thousand one. good one. That's so, the original I, bad robot, you know. But, but he is. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, yeah. Could we? I mean, what is there? he a real robot though? Well, he's an AI. Yeah, and I said Same it could be Jarvis, robot or AI. Okay. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 So it's really kind of breaking up between AIs and robots. You know, that's why I think like that's why I had to throw out a second See, one. In 2001 was another movie I thought about watching again because I thought of how right away mm -hmm. when I thought about robots. But it's been so long since I've watched that film. Maybe since I was a teenager and I didn't know what the heck was going on with anything I, until yeah. I read part of the novel. And was like, okay, I see what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, Hal, Hal, I think, has to have an honorable mention. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. He's the original evil AI. Yes. What are you doing, Dave? Mm -hmm. Stop yeah. it, Dave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're, you, humans are going to spoil the mission. I need to get rid of you. <laughs> the mission is all I care about. It's terrifying. Yes. It's absolutely yep. terrifying. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've only been talking for like a half hour, and already mm -hmm. my like to watch list is I've got to catch up on Outer Limits, catch yep. up on the new Lost in Space, because I did start watching that, uh, but haven't finished. Afterlife, The Family Dog, and Her. So if my right. boss is listening, I'm taking the next week off for PTO so I can catch up on all the science fiction that I really need to. Just, just kidding. There's <laughs> too much. Awesome. <laughs> There's too much. I, 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 I actually, 
I actually asked my um, sister-in-law for her Prime Video password <laughs> so I could watch <laughs> so watch a few things because there's some things you just can't that aren't on Netflix or whatever you know. So mm -hmm. uh, Prime isn't one I have. So she's mm -hmm. she's a good sister-in-law. Shout out to my sister-in-law, Christine. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> embarrassed. Brother-in-law like, too. I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know if it's the right word to, but to, if I were to tell you guys all the streaming services that my husband and I are paying for, and, and again, <laughs> and the funny thing is though, I rewatch re stuff more than anything else because most of my watching time is really when I'm falling asleep. And when I'm falling asleep, I don't want to watch something new. So right. I actually fall asleep to either, <laughs> either reruns of Star Trek, the next generation, because nice. I've seen them a zillion mm -hmm. times, so I don't need to watch mm -hmm. them. I, I'm okay listening, and it's calming. Or my non-science fiction love, which is Friends. So I, oh. I'm rewatching. I rewatch Friends episodes okay. almost every night. <laughs> That's awesome. See, I can do that with uh, Best of Both Worlds for me is one that I'd go back to, is one mm -hmm. that I can fall asleep to. I haven't done Seinfeld as much, even though it's calming, just because mm -hmm. I would start laughing at the jokes. <laughs> yeah. But it is that issue of I will watch stuff when I'm eating because I, I live alone, so I can do that. But it's one of those things where I want to watch stuff I already seen. So I want to go back and watch track when I should be watching new stuff. So even mm -hmm. trying to get myself to watch the last two episodes of Boba Fett, I'm like, I could do that. Or mm -hmm. I could rewatch Voyager again. Right. Right. I do the same thing. And then I've got the added complexity of, you know, when you when you don't live alone, you have kids and and another right. adult in the house. So, so there's one there's things that husband and I want to watch together, which yeah. are often not science fiction, <laughs> because, you know, where our in, our common interests lie. But then also with the kids, I have to make sure, you know, uh, are the kids in the room mm -hmm. or not? And is right. what I'm watching appropriate yep. for the kids to be in the room or not? And so, ah. Uh, all these, all these things, you know, just get, you know, everyone just leave me alone for a week in the house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I could just catch up on all this and not have to worry. Yeah. Cause I saw all my non-Star Trek, all my dramas, my mm -hmm. police procedurals, all of my mm -hmm. medical shows. It's like, there's so much to catch up on. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I can't yep. do it. Yep. <laughs> you guys like other stuff other than sci-fi? That's interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, mostly, and for me, it's it's mostly comedy and sometimes like really offbeat comedy. So like my husband and I right now, we are watching The Righteous Gemstones, which oh, if you, well, first of all, okay, you have to be comfortable with all the bad words, right. uh, nudity, profanity, violent. You have to be okay. comfortable with all that. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's dark comedy. So if you're a dark comedy person and I am a dark comedy person, it gotcha. is hilarious but it's john goodman he really? plays he plays a televangelist uh, and head of the oh, family I know. Of I, okay i i have i'm vaguely familiar with i've yeah. seen a trailer or something it's it but it's dark comedy for anyone who likes dark comedy i do enjoy that yeah. it's, what platform is this on um hbo max don't oh my God. We, 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 <laughs> we've got Netflix, we've got Amazon Prime, we've got HBO Max, we have Paramount Plus. I think we finally did cut off Disney. So I got to catch up. I'm, we're behind on Disney. You um, cut off Disney just because you we, didn't have time? or we, Yeah, well, we still something, have it, right? something had to give. So we gave up, okay. at least temporarily, we gave up Disney Plus and okay. Hulu. And I want to get Apple TV because there's a pile of shows I want to watch on Apple TV to include Foundation. Right. <laughs> right. The found, that's why I want out is Foundation. Right. What yep. about the... What's the space race show? That's like the all mankind. It's on if it's on TV. That's been mankind. recommended. Like like a dozen people I know have told me I have to watch that too. Okay. Yeah, mm. I want to check that one out too. Mm. Mm. Interesting. 
Yeah, I need I need a couple of one week off. I need two remember or three weeks rem- off remember when it was just Star Trek Babylon Five. Um, what was there anything else really? Well, so I remember. So my memory nice. of when Babylon Five came out that was yeah when we were start there was no streaming services. Yeah. So you got what was on the network, and that was pretty much it. And mm-hmm. so I remember there was a there was a big kerfuffle because they had there was DS Nine and Babylon Five that were coming out about the same time, and yeah. they were both space station shows. Yeah. And there was and I remember there was like Babylon Five that there was the pilot. And then it was like another year before the series started. Yeah. And but at the time we were starved for science fiction. Yes. So yeah, and then, so there wasn't a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm trying to remember what there was in the nineties. I remember Not just a lot. a lot of you know, the usual shows, but like sci fi, I feel like sci fi was, was all syndicated, in, wasn't it? I don't yeah, remember any syndicated. syndicated. Well, there we got Star Trek Stargate, Andromeda, mm-hmm. yeah. and then Earth Final Conflict. I remember that was on. Mm-hmm. I mean, DS9 started before before Next Generation ended, and then Next Generation ended, and then we had Voyager. So there was a there there was a most of the '90s we actually had two Mm -hmm. Star Trek shows on at the same time, which was it was amazing. I remember a slight overlap of the last season and the first season, so on. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Okay, (laughs) so speaking of homework assignments, right? And a segue. So last week. We, we talked about, yes, yeah, Steve told us about this wonderful episode of Outer Limits called iRobot. And since we were going to talk about robots, I, I asked everyone, hey, can we all try to watch this episode to talk about it? Um, you know, Steve, you're the one who brought this up. Um, and it, and I watched it. I finally got a chance to watch it oh boy. early this no. morning. I gave oh up my goodness. writing time this morning to to watch the episode. Oh, wow. And it was, and I feel like I had seen it, but I think... I'm sure I had seen it before because it just felt so familiar, but mm-hmm. I, I'm wondering if it, it felt so familiar because maybe I saw it before. But one of the things that I think is true about the old shows like that mm-hmm. is because it is so, uh, you know, it's decades old. So many things have become tropes over the years where at the time they were the original and it was new and revolutionary. But mm-hmm. now it's like, this is all, these are, all familiar tropes mm-hmm. not to take away from the episode it was great but it's like i knew exactly what was going to happen you know, yes. there was no there's no surprise there you know but back mm-hmm. in the day the, though back that when had it to first be, aired, that had to you, have to, you know you go back and like it, what was the what was the feeling back then and of it was, the story as it evolved it was mm-hmm. 64 right yes 63, exactly 64 yeah yeah and to be honest, I rewatched it last night. I pulled out my DVD and I popped it <laughs> in, in and and rewatched it again because it, it it's that very it, it's very special to me that episode. Sure. And um, they do bring and but again, even familiar, the concept of Frankenstein, the story is integral into the part of what the robot is and his creator. And uh, I'm glad you watched it. And it, it's it just has a very soft spot in my heart. And it it also, um, if you've seen the movie Inherit the Wind, it picks up a lot of the points of that particular storyline where Leonard Nimoy is the character that Gene Kelly played, which was wow. based on the actual newsman, H.L. Mencken, who was an acerbic, mean uh, individual who wrote 
uh, for the papers of the 20s and 30s. And he covered the Scopes Monkey Trial at that time. And that's basically, I think, where they got the character from this. <laughs> and also, I did a little background check. And actually, there was a whole series of books about Adam Link. So not only are you adding to my watch list, you're adding to my reading list. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't, I, I never really investigated until I decided, let me look at the Wikipedia on the, uh, on the, the episode and I'm going, my goodness, I did not know that this was really drawn from literature. Fantastic. Yeah. So what yeah. was really, in, one of the things I thought was interesting is that as you know, the the professor he was giving lessons to Adam, which was very reminiscent to me of what they eventually did with Doctor Soong and Data. What we learn mm -hmm. about how like Data develops, it, it to me it was like this. This was like the blueprint for what they did yeah. in, in yeah. Star Trek with Data. Mm -hmm. So I was just you know, watching Inheritance, and so seeing that, I was like, "You're right, yeah, that mm -hmm. is a lot like what." Well, they even data. even not that, I I was drawn back to the episode. Oh my gosh, uh, I don't have my notes here of it, but uh, where he where Data creates Lol. Oh right, yeah, uh, the Offspring, the Offspring, yeah. And I I took I don't have them with me right here for some reason, but uh, it was beautiful to see Data walk through with Lol in that episode. Mm -hmm and explain name things and her reflex, you know, catching a ball and being two seconds late and, you mm -hmm. know, kissing Commander Riker awkwardly. Right. And, yeah. you know, why is, why is that man biting her face, you know, or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, learning but, all what, that. So, so to one me that question, Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to ask one thing that stood out to me and I can't tell if I'm maybe misinterpreting it, but I got the sense that the characters in the episode seem to be less impressed by him being a robot than what I would have expected. People, they seem to be nonchalant <laughs> about it. And I don't know yes. if that was just maybe I'm misreading it or if that was No, no, you were quite right. You're quite right. Whereas they all say like, oh, yeah, the old Doc Link was building a robot. Yeah, we knew he was building a robot. So it was almost yeah. like they knew it was happening. <laughs> they just never expected that once it came to life, what it would turn into and it would become they would fear it more than understood understand what it was or what he was um and you know again when you look at an episode like that and it's 1964 and you see the electrical tape up on his shoulder where they put together <laughs> yeah, the, the suit yeah. and everything and it looks like they they stole I, from somebody's dryer unit to make his arms yeah it's 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 an expensive, it wasn't done really that great. But back then, stories wow. were more important than, than effects. Right. Well, I think, too, I think something to keep in mind, too, though, is that at this point in, in movie making and television history, um, there, there, was a, there was certainly a number of robots and AIs maybe that were represented, but... It's still pretty early on, and in, in, so for the time, I bet there were some kids that watched The Outer Limits that saw this robot and at first were terrified mm -hmm. until they got to see that he was gentle, that he was kind, that he was learning, that, that he was growing just like they were as kids, mm -hmm. you know, um, in the, which, was, which was really a beautiful part of the episode um, that you really became you were rooting for Adam, the robot, which is a beautiful name for um, mm -hmm. 
doc, Dr. Charles Link to give him, you know, um, it, it represent, you know, biblical representation of, of the first, you know, um, of his kind. And so I, I just thought, and also at the beginning of the scene, did anyone catch, or maybe I read into it uh, of the, when we first see, um, Adam, the robot, which did you notice they kept calling him robot? They call no. him, yeah, robot. Robot. Right. Yeah, no, watch it. Just that. listen to it again for a few minutes. <laughs> Robot. And, yeah. And it, it was the original doctor of Star Trek, though, who was, who was brought Bryce. in as an yeah. expert. He says it. He says robot. But everyone else throughout the whole show call, calls him Robot. Um, so interesting. I don't know how that happened, if they were directed to do that. I don't know. Mm. Um, but uh, the first one of the first scenes of this of the show was the robot coming upon you know you hear the the narrator talking about creation and all that stuff and then you see this female image in the water and for me and maybe it's because i'm a pastor and mm -hmm. um interested in the bible is that um i i thought we were going to see the garden of eden i thought he was you know taken and then when the but it was a little girl and the robot comes, and who we later find out's name is Adam, and takes her out. So I, that was interesting for me. I, I may be mm -hmm. reading into it a little bit, but I, I look upon the little girl scene as going back to was that in the Bride of Frankenstein, mm -hmm. where uh, he, or was it in Frankenstein itself, where he, the creature, retrieves a child from the water, and the child is terrified by you know by Frankenstein, but he. He's trying uh, you to. You know what? That's probably what they really meant. Safer, there, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it, it's interesting that we all see different things because when I saw, you know, the, the scene with the the little girl and he, you know, so she falls into the water and he picks her up. My my head was screaming. Oh my god! The way he's picking her up, he's going to pull his arm, you know, her right, arm out of the socket yeah. accidentally <laughs> because I mean that that happened. My my son when he was eighteen months old had nurse's elbow, which is when you know something accidentally mm. gets pulled out of the socket like mm. that. And <laughs> Ooh, that sounds brutal. Yeah, it was not not a fun day. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. And, and the child is, is on the witness stand and she, yeah. you know, she does the great scene in all, all courtroom. There's the murderer. There he yeah. is. And points out, that's him, the Tin Man, you know, and does yeah. that. And then at the end of the episode, who does he save? Right. He saves her. Right. But and no gives one up his own on existence it. for her. Yep. The child that yep. accused him. Yep. And, and if I can jump into, uh, I thought Leonard Nimoy was fantastic in this thing. Yeah, and and I, I mean he 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 was, you know the a little stereotype for, you know, um, being being a uh, reporter, you know, um, but having a moral compass, you know. But he was the voice throughout the whole sh series or throughout the mm -hmm. whole show that really kind of helped push some of the moral ethical things that they were dealing with along. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'll let you guys comment on that, but I also want to ask what would his career have been like without Star Trek? Cause I, cause he was so interesting to me in this episode it just got me thinking, like, what kind of career would he have had? Would well, he, he also already... would have been doing um, uh, Mission Impossible, right? Would that have 
been impactful. No, no, I don't think it would have been as impactful as Trick. I mean, he was a character actor and he was Mm -hmm. already a known character actor before Star Trek. And I think that just would have continued. So he would have just continued to do that for 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 decades, you know, Mm -hmm. potentially without the, the recognition of Spock. But the thing that really to me, you know, impresses me about him. Uh, and I'm going to say the same thing is true about Shatner and a lot of the other Trek actors is to me, the mark of a good actor or actress is when they are really well known for some role like Spock or like Kirk, but mm-hmm. then I see them in something else. Mm-hmm. And when I see them, my brain is like, Oh, that's not Spock. Ooh, that's not Captain yes. Kirk. And yes. that to me is how I know that let Nimoy at Shatner, they're, they're fantastic is when I see them in other things, they're not, you know, like that I was agree. not Spock in that episode. That was yes. like, playing someone yes. else. <laughs> See, Very it's interesting because I'm used to seeing him playing other stuff, but like older. So like I've been, I love uh, the show Fringe. And so mm-hmm. when that's he showed up, I was used of. to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I've never seen a show with Leonard Nimoy, not Spock in that time frame, mm-hmm. like in the sixties. So that would like took me out of it for a little bit, mm-hmm. yeah. but I was impressed. It was cool just to, see how good he was at doing that role i would say if anyone ever questions you know because i know like there's ups and downs about shatner personally but as an actor also watch some of his stuff pre-trek too he's a a, he's a very talented actor oh legal Oh yeah, yes. Which Denny I don't Crane, think he gets Denny Crane is not Captain Kirk, and yeah. that, that's the to me that's the. Oh, whole he won two point. two Emmys for that, didn't he? I think so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I guess it is talked about. You're right. That's true. Um, and if you want to see William Shatner in an episode of The Outer Limits, he's there. Yeah. I saw and that Twilight too. Zone and I was, and, yep. Yeah. And also, James out. Doohan, uh, Scotty is a main well, character in an episode as a detective. Oh, cool. So these actors have had. Uh, they had appeared on the Outer Limits in a number of episodes where they were the stars of them or the main characters. And I just want to say one thing that was said about Leonard, uh, about William Shatner. He always played dramatic roles. But to me, he'll always be the big giant head from Third <laughs> Rock from the Sun. His comedic qualities in that series just stood out Mm -hmm. and from this from that point on whenever i see him and he is being funny and i've seen him on stage at star trek conventions and the man is hilarious yeah uh Mm. he is the big giant head wow yeah i completely forgot about that Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) write that down add it to the list i need to see that show i don't think i've seen many episodes oh my goodness third rock from the sun is hilarious science fiction (laughs) Yeah, absolutely yeah. hilarious. I, I tell you one thing too about this this uh, episode, I Robot from the Outer Limits. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really liked the defense attorney, Mister Cutler, um, mm-hmm. and how he retired from the human race. I mm-hmm. that when I heard that line, I I was like, okay, we're gonna learn more about that. Why mm-hmm. is he retired from the human race? You know. And we get some of that from his interaction with with uh, uh, Nimoy's character, which is called Judson Ellis in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some interesting conversations about that as they're kind of in ag- agreement about how crazy messed up the whole situation is. Because the robot, Adam, gets accused of murdering his creator. Um, and it's not until you watch the whole episode towards the end that you actually see what happened as he's on the witness stand and telling his version of the story. 
Um, but that the Mr. Cutler in here, um, and I didn't catch the actor's name. Um, but I just, I, when he said I'm retired from the human race, I, and, and they kind of went on to describe that a little bit through little things he would say here and there. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was very well done, a very well done piece of this. Um, yeah. I also liked the line entrenched, uh, I think it was entrenched, uh, stupidity, I think was a that line. Was, that was, yes. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I like that. I like that. Uh, well, that actually is that going phrase. back to, I'm going to read it, back to the inherit the wind. Where, yeah. where Spencer Tracy is comes out of retirement to defend the character who's been arrested for teaching creationism, um, yeah. and he's the same thing. He's like, "I'm done with humanity. I don't want it anymore. I, you people." But then he's given, he's given something to fight for, and in this case, Cutler is fighting for a creature that is being accused of murder and should then be given the same inalienable rights afforded human creatures. Mm -hmm. Why I love it so much. Well, I'm yeah. yeah. And, it and definitely has, you're right, definitely has that feel of Inherit the Wind, like the mm -hmm. great classic, yeah, it really does. you know, l uh, legal battle about a human right. And mm -hmm. it has like the the good speeches, the pauses. Mm -hmm. There's just the way it's shot. It feels very much like that kind of yeah. uh, drama. I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard of that. I have to. You've never yeah, seen Inherit the Wind. No, I don't. I <laughs> saw that in history class no. you, uh, oh a long time ago. You 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 have oh. to watch that movie. It is some of the best writing, best acting. It yeah. is an absolutely wonderful film, um, and. Just the Spencer Tracy is remarkable. Uh, just and, oh, and one of the Gene greats. Kelly is great yes. as a acerbic newsman. And you'll you when you see you'll see all the tie-ins to this episode. Gene, okay. Gene Kelly's actually one of my favorite all-time actors. Not not just song and dance mm -hmm. guys, but actors. I I think he is he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. One of he's my like a, he's like the five tool baseball player. He does right. everything. <laughs> right. So talented. One of my favorite mm -hmm. things in in this episode, two guys that I have to say because it when it, well one of the things that bugged me about the episode, but I can't really fault the creators and the people that made this because it's what they had at the time. But mm -hmm. I I mean he was very mechanical looking, so they gave him a very mechanical electronic voice. It would right. have been now a lot of our representation of that. The voice is much more human sounding, um, but that's come. I, I think we've just evolved to that. Yeah. It's become what we but, want more. I mean, um, I back would, then it was very appropriate. And I'm not saying right. it was a wrong choice creatively at all for this character, but um, I wish they would have put a little more human voice into him. But then he says a line like this that made me go oh i hear the humanity he said when he died i felt sorrow mm -hmm. if you didn't yeah. if you catch that line um and it was one of the more powerful moments in the movie in, in the movie in the in the episode for me was when he died i felt sorrow as as he's talking about it and somehow in that mechanical voice I heard the emotion or I felt, or maybe it's that willing suspension of disbelief. You know, I'm, I'm wanting to hear 
that in him anyways already. And so when that moment comes, this rigid face, um, I see the emotion. Yeah, one thing I want to say about the voice that I thought was interesting is if you listen closely, you can hear the same noise that's used in the original series for the computer. Like there's like a, it's not typing. I know what but you're talking there about. Is a, a yeah. mechanical noise you can mm-hmm. hear, which I thought was really like cool. a whirring, like mm-hmm. you know, yeah, it's a whirring. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, like it, a it, processing, it, like a computer yeah. processing right. in the background. Yeah, and I don't know why we we all just did this together. I've Chris yeah, did we, it we made a we made a we all <laughs> this, is, a this is our whirring hand motion, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> okay, I like that. <laughs> but you, you think about it that it's almost what was expected to be heard at that time because that's. But then again, there are episodes of The Twilight Zone that came out at that same time. I sing The Body Electric, and there was another one where a prisoner is on a distant planet, and he's given a female robot as a companion. And they're played by people, so they have people voices. Mm -hmm. But when you see something like Adam Link, he's a robot. He's a mechanical man, so he's more like Robbie the Robot, which had a mechanical voice. And I guess that's what it was expected from the, the audience would can relate to it better that way, even though, as you said, the emotion can be felt from his words, not from his tonality. Mm-hmm. I guess. Right. Interesting. The, the one thing too, that I thought was interesting being such a big Trekkie where everything is explained and all the rules are explained was the fact that the characters just made like jumps in logic, like, Oh, he's a computer. He obviously can't lie. Or, oh, the emotion, he's imprinting on the emotion from the creator. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how are you making, I get where you're coming from. And I get maybe there's a time limit. You seem like, okay, they're making some vast assumptions about how that works. But I think but that's I'll- exactly what they're doing is is in that. That's how they are establishing the rules for us. They're just stating it. It's just, oh, okay. yeah, it, you that's know, true. I, I think because yeah. right, there is a time, there is a time consideration. You can only do so much. So I think that's the exposition that tells us the rules of this particular story. And where it's really handled well is when the prosecuting attorney says, if you tell it black is white, it will believe that black is white. Right, and if yes. you realize that if you bring up a child, human child right right and you tell a child that black is white and good is bad and so on and so forth that is what they'll be imprinted with and that's what they'll believe in the future mm-hmm. and so that was an excellent point of order whereas the the defense attorney is saying he's a robot he can only repeat what he's he's been taught and so you can teach evil if you want right. to Sure. And that to me as a, you know, a software person and computer programmer, it, it's great because, yep, computers do exactly what we tell them <laughs> to do, mm-hmm. which any <laughs> uh, computer programmer, especially someone who's looking for their own bugs or, you know, why is the software doing this? Well, that's exactly mm-hmm. how it was programmed. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's the bane of our, of our existence. So mm-hmm. yeah, did any of you during the scene uh, in the courtroom where they, you know, uh, futzed with him so that he mm. went a little berserk. Did uh. any of you think back to the Star Trek Next Generation episode, Measure of a Man, when yeah. they're having the courtroom scene yep. to prove, you know, does Data right. have rights? And what, what it made me think of when they were, like, manipulating him, too, where Riker pulls out his arm, you know, turns him yeah. off and pulls out his arm. Um, I, I just had that scene going through my head. Interesting you say that because I just watched that episode as a part of 
preparing for this um, uh, thing and then just being inspired to watch data episodes just because it's fun. Mm. And, uh, yeah. But uh, that episode was, it, because I just watched it, was running through my mind as they, you know, they asked for a screwdriver to open up the robot. And, um, like, for me, though, that, that's that's the thing I hated most about this episode, though, is that all of a sudden there's a remote control for this thing. Although the, maybe there there was remote control there was, at the beginning there wasn't the of the very episode beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. when he couldn't when walk. Him how to walk. Yeah, and he had to crawl, which was an interesting concept to have him go through. I thought that was kind of charming mm-hmm. and interesting, and um, set up set up his growth for you know the next few scenes. But uh, sure. um, uh, I don't. Maybe someone can explain to me why that scene was necessary because I was frustrated when I watched that this afternoon by. Mm-hmm how he could just, you know, be a switch can be turned and, you know, he can be forced to do something and why that would be used against him. Cause it was a human controlling his actions, not the robot himself left to his own right. devices, left to his own, you know what I mean? So that well, part of it was kind of really weird for me. So I, I think, and this is why I think it reminded me of the Measure of the Band episode, is that whole, because I th- think that those of us who kind of are open to the concept of robots and AI, you know, where we're accepting already, so we already see them as they have uh, their own, I guess, rights, you know, so doing that to them to us feels like a violation and it, and it just kind of jerks at us like, Oh my God, what are you doing to them? That that's just wrong. So I, I feel like that, that it's really just kind of deliberately trying to, you know, in the context of an episode, whether it's measure a man or this episode, you know, trying to kind of lead us down the path of, Oh my gosh, are they going to successfully convince the audience or the courtroom in this case, that these things are machines and that they aren't human and they shouldn't. So I, I think it's kind of done just to kind of deliberately manipulate us that way to think that that's a possibility, even though I think we all know, all those of us who watch it, we know that that's not going to happen, but they're just, they're jerking us around a little bit. <laughs> right. And and that was the, essentially the theatrics mm-hmm. of the prosecuting attorney to make his point that that Adam could turn evil at any moment mm. if you just disconnect a wire or two. And um, and that was, I think, the whole point where you show that he becomes berserk and that's, that's tries a good to, explanation. Yeah. And what's interesting I think that about, was just, again, yeah. the theatrics of, mm-hmm. of a criminal trial. What's interesting, too, I'm sorry I interrupted you, Steve, is, is no. um, that is true with you or me you know what i mean like like if if you examine humankind and how mm-hmm. little things can set us off or we're in you know we're in one mood we're in, you know we we get caught off guard by something we respond mm-hmm. in a way that can be totally contrary to our usual demeanor our usual composure Mm-hmm. Um, to where we can lose it. I mean, there's stories of people that in the heat of a moment, the kindest, gentlest person in the heat of a moment can become enraged and commit mm-hmm. a murder in a, yep. in, in a split second. Mm-hmm. And then the anger subsides and what in there and like, 
what the heck? Like, you know, and now I'm going to go to prison, you know? Um, And so I think, I think it's interesting hearing you guys talk about it is that that little change of, you know, a circuit here, there, the, the push of a button, whatever can make him do something crazy. That's really true with us. Absolutely. Um, we don't, we don't, it's, it's a scary thing. It's a dark thing to think about. Um, oh, yeah, it is. but anger can cause us to do, can cause us to lose our minds. The best person in the world can lose their mind in a moment and do something really crazy and absurd. Um, and so that just thinking about it now, like I'm going, okay, that mm-hmm. makes, but that makes but this a lot of sense too. Interestingly opposite from humans. So in this case of the episode, the prosecutor was using it to prove their case where in for humans, it would be used as a defense. Right. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good point, talk yeah. about crimes of passion. Mm-hmm. That's what you're would be getting at. And as far as theatrics in courtrooms, probably the greatest theatric I've ever seen is OJ trying to put on that leather glove. <laughs> <laughs> that the defense attorney OJ Simpson just came up in our podcast going, about sci-fi. That's yeah, fantastic. I know, but it's just that, <laughs> that theatrics that one side can use to make a point. We were oh I, I, there's possibly like some kind of alternate universe thing, weird thing happening in that courtroom. So uh, sure, sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to think, is there a connection to the naked gun anywhere in Trek? Because that's the only <laughs> thing I could think of that could relate. No. Back not to sci-fi I, is the fact that, that I, he was in the Naked no. Gun. Not that I know of. Well, let's get back to let's yeah. get back to, to to Star Trek a little bit because sure. um, yeah. we keep dancing around it. So let's just just dive right in and talk about data. Oh yes. So Definitely. okay, uh, you know, Brian, you mentioned a minute mm-hmm. ago you've been you you you've been personally doing some homework I, or watching a bunch of data episodes. Yeah. What's your favorite data moment? That's gonna I, be the question, okay. everybody. Favorite moment. I'm glad you said moment compared to episode here. Mm-hmm. Um. My favorite data moment, without a doubt, is him dancing with Dr. Crusher on the episode Data's Day. All the shenanigans of him learning how to dance, but in particular, and I remember when the episode aired originally, I'm watching it, and then she says, smile, Data. And then you see the back of his head or the back of Crusher, then then they spin, and he's got the goofiest, awkward smile on. And then at the end of the episode, he's, of course, much more debonair and smooth mm-hmm. and got a very charming smile on his face. He's learned how to dance, yeah. The newly married Keiko, which was a wonderful part of that episode, too. Um, the, Keiko and O'Brien. But Data's Day, Dan, there, there's, you know, I could mention there's some beautiful moments between him and Lol um, in uh, The Offspring that are just fantastic. There's so many great Data's moments, but if you're asking for a moment for me, everything says learning how to dance with Dr. Crusher. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Chris? So this was hard, um, but I think it's uh, from season six. I don't know why I can't think of the name, but when Data's doing his poetry, like the fact that he has learned poetry and you can see that he thinks he's being clever but, but not actually being <laughs> clever, but you can also tell oh, like how much spot. he cares about spot is just so <laughs> touching. And I love the fact that you get this sense that everybody's there because they love data. And they're like, this is horrible poetry. We want to get out of here, but we're here because we support <laughs> mm-hmm. data. And I think it just shows a lot about 
like his it. relationship with the rest of the crew. So my 11 year old recently had a poetry assignment for school and he was having trouble picking a poem. I was this close to having him, you know, uh, to use ode to spot. Well, he told me that the, the, uh, the requirement was it had to have been a published poem. And okay. if it's in a screenplay that was actually before that, that I would say be was published, but it was getting, uh, it was a little too ridiculous for what their, their assignment was. So we he didn't do it, but I was, I was close. Yeah. That would have been amazing. <laughs> Steve, favorite data moment? My favorite moment, it's the one that always pops into my head. First contact, the skin on his arm. And when the oh. board queen blows oh, yeah. right, right. the follicles, <laughs> yeah. and the reaction by data of, <gasps> I mean, don't be grabbing, but it's almost sexual. Right. Yeah. His yeah. reaction yeah. that. He's feeling this for the first time. They've turned on it. He's given him his emotion setting and he's feeling something like that. And then she just, what does she say? Like, was it good for you or something like yeah, that? Was it good for you? Yeah. To me, the, that moment of his acting, everything was just right there. Just, and it was so human. Hmm. It was so real. And I just, I, I always think about that scene that is probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is his reaction. He's, he's got some great scenes in that film. Yes. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think I'm, I'm kind of glad I was like, as I listened to all your answers, I'm like, this is one I actually really do have one favorite. I mean, mm. I, I love everything data, but I could pick a one favorite. I'm like, okay, please don't anyone say mine. Please don't anyone say mine. <laughs> <laughs> so the episode Brothers. Which oh, was season yeah. four, episode four, three, yeah, season four ish. Okay, so uh, Data goes. He he's you know uh, there's a homing beacon. He's brought to and meets his father, Doctor Soong, mm -hmm. and he's having a conversation. And he's basically like, you know, why did you create me? And Doctor Soong goes, well, so you know, is this a Data moment? This is really Doctor Soong what he's saying, but. It's all because of the data asked. So I'm counting it as a favorite data moment because it's mm -hmm. one of my favorite things. And and Dr. Soon is like, well, you know, why do humans like old things? And it's yeah. because of having a sense to the past. And well, does that only work one way? And it was like, well, no. And so he's being led through this understanding of why we procreate, you know, which is really what Dr. Soon felt like he did. Mm -hmm. He had these you know he had this child and really children because there's lore you know too and yeah that's that's hands down my favorite data scene mm, beautiful yeah beautiful that is that is a great episode season four mm -hmm. is all about family mm -hmm. yeah no it's a, a great episode family stuff concerning that. about data but it's a good episode mm -hmm. yeah the fact that he can take over the ship like nobody's yep <laughs> and like almost kills a kid <laughs> And yep. it's like, well, it wasn't Data's fault. And, and they did a great still... job of of bringing out Lore's deception too. In mm -hmm. that too, I, that was I remember watching that going, "Oh, he's so scary, Lore!" Like well, just yeah. wanting him to, you know. But then then they do the whole, you know, in their own, you know, Lore is at the end of that episode where Lore says, "I love you, brother." Oh no, that's being, no, that's um, something. Descent no. part two. Yeah. Oh, no. descent. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, yeah. That's another good, but. What's amazing also about Brothers and what I was also saying a, a few minutes ago about just the quality of the actors is you've got Brent Spiner playing three distinct roles in one scene. Yes. Mm -hmm. That 
is amazing to me. You know, not not just the technical, okay, they have to how they film it, but the fact that he is credibly three unique individuals. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that just mm-hmm. boggles of, my head so he, much that he can do so that. So true. One of the great one of the great tragedies, which is overstating it slightly, but one of the great tragedies of the next generation is that Brent Spiner never got nominated for a single Emmy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's just. I, I mean, even if he wouldn't had a chance of winning, uh, he should have been nominated at for some that point episode. in this series. Yeah. Oh, for, for sure. That episode. <laughs> also, make the argument that the thing I love about the actor Brent Spiner is the fact that he can play Data, he can play Lore, he can be Data, or he can play Lore trying to be Data. He can play mm-hmm. someone else uh, taking over his body, trying to be Data. And he can also play evil data, who's not lore, but manipulated by lore. And you can tell the difference. And I think that is so incredible. Yes. And then, of course, he can play other characters as well, which is also amazing. Yes. Right. But the fact that, as you're saying, he's playing three distinct characters at three separate times and interacting. Mm -hmm. So someone on stage is reading his line and he's playing that character at that moment. And then he switches gears and he has to do it. That's a great actor. Um, so, Brent Spiner, if you're watching this, we love you. We uh-huh. respect yep. you. You're amazing. Oh, my goodness. They did a whole episode <laughs> about you last night, Brent Spiner, if you're listening. <laughs> oh, awesome. Last week. Awesome. Yelling and, about uh, Trek. And, and, and just really, as comedy goes, there's an, oh, there's an episode of The Big Bang Theory mm. where uh, um, Sheldon wants Will Wheaton to get him a replacement of a uh, Will Wheaton action figure. He signs it. <laughs> And Brett yes. Spiner's at the end of it, and he rips it open, and you just see Sean going, "No, you took it out of the original packaging." <laughs> Brett Spiner is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I have to show. say, oh. I have a soft spot for Big Bang Theory, even though I know it's one of the most hated shows. At least it's always <gasps> what? my impression I love of it. Love it. Why is it get... the most hated show? I always I see it. so many comments about it. Like it just like, like from Star your... Trek fans or I, I don't know. It just oh. always seems like people so, don't like nerds oh don't gosh. like it. Or well, people that see, are into that stuff. As a physicist, you know, because again, I, mm. I went to school for physics. I didn't go on to get my PhD, but a lot of my friends did. Uh, I went to school with those people. Like yeah. I, you know, like I I was like I, I you know, I tell people on the Penny to Amy scale, I'm a little bit more like, I'm a little more Amy Farrah Farrell, a little less Penny. Right, okay. And these are people that I know in real life. So that's one of the reasons why I think I, I loved yeah, it. I mean, I there, there, there's some I, cheesy things and some sure. possibly not, you know, don't, I don't want my kids watching it yet. They're right, a little too right, young, even right. though my 11 year old might watch it sometimes, but, oh, it just, it, I know these people. Yeah. For me, it hits the spot. Like I've never been in like around scientists, but I just feel like I connect to it. I think the humor is great. It's mm-hmm. comfort food for me. Mm-hmm. It's another show that I can listen to and just feel calmer. So I don't yeah. know. I don't see why there's so much hate for it. I know some, I've heard that there are some criticism that the nerd, that the actors are not nerds themselves, which I feel like, well, that's acting. You yeah. don't need to yes. be right. whatever yes. your character is. Right. Yes. You know, I think for a lot of people who doesn't like it is because it's too close to the bone. Just no. like you're saying, Adina, it is. That's me. I don't think that's funny. You know, <laughs> right? Right. And I do right. love how much Sheldon reminds me of Data, but like a Data that doesn't care. But I mm-hmm. see a lot of that <laughs> there. Yeah, absolutely. Let's not go My, on too far a tangent with that. Okay. Right, yes. Well, let's, let's, get, so let's get back to Star Trek and Rogue. So we, mm-hmm. we talked a little yeah. bit about Data, but now 
Date, while while Star Trek isn't the most you know robot or AI heavy series or show out there, there are other robots and AI uh, besides Data in Trek and in, in all in most all of Trek. So, who would be your favorite robot or AI that's not Data in mm. in any Trek series films? And Chris, we'll start this one with you. Okay, so this this was also easy. Although I will say the doctor was so close to being like the top because he's the other big AI mm-hmm. uh, person because he's not a robot, but he's a hologram. An so AI. He's, so he's an he's AI. there. But for me, it's, it's the ship computer, but specifically the TNG era ship computer. I just never get tired of them saying computer and the computer providing this information, which I think is just incredible. And I know that this was from the 90s. AI is coming a long way, but I'm still impressed. And I just love how much they interact with the computer. This There was also a moment that's not in the TNG era, but of the original series that always blew me away when uh, Scotty, he's being accused of murder and Kirk and Spock and the rest of the team, they're all speculating. They're having this long conversation around, oh, what if this is a life form that feeds on fear or something along mm-hmm. those lines? Then they say to the computer, Computer, based on this conversation and the theory that was presented, can you? Is there any reasonable explanation or possibility of this being true? And the computer is able to come up with an answer. So the fact that the computer was able to listen to the entire conversation, understand that theories were being made, and then confirm those theories just blew me away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm a big fan of the uh, of the Federation computer, and I think Major Barrett does such an amazing job mm-hmm. and it's amazing that she can play uh Loxana Troy incredibly well. She's funny. She's in your face. She's too pushy. But then in, as the computer, same actor mm-hmm. who can play it so mm-hmm. seriously mm-hmm. and also differentiate. How do I say it? But make it different enough from the original series computer, even though she also voiced that. Mm-hmm. So that's my whole long tangent. I think, uh, the com- the computer in Star Trek is amazing. Very good. Awesome. That's a great answer. So, mm-hmm. Steve, what about you? Um, thank you, Chris, for not stealing my thunder one more time. <laughs> uh, without a doubt, my favorite character is the Doctor awesome. from Voyager. Support that. And the one that the episode that I always go back to is where Seven of Nine is wanting to date Chakotay. Yes. Yeah, I know. And yeah. and he is explaining the concept of relationship of the birds and the bees. And there's a scene I as I it's been so long since I watched it. So if you rem- if I'm wrong, please correct me. But I think there's a scene where he's like Cyrano and he has the flowers and he wants to come because he's now finding out that he's falling in love yeah. with seven of nine. And she spurns him because she's interested in somebody else. And he has to go in and realize that I know I'm just a hologram and I know I'm just a computer program, but I can feel love as well. And I think that episode is one of the more beautiful ones in relationships and only somebody good as, as the actor who played, um, Robert, Robert, yeah, Robert, Robert Picardo. Picardo. Yeah, yeah. he's a great pull off something like that. Uh, he's uh, he was so interesting, and since he's a 
since he's AI, they can do just about anything mm-hmm. with him. So mm-hmm. it was very mm-hmm. creative as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. It bums me out though that they didn't get together. And I understand there was reasons, but mm-hmm. I I don't know. I would have I would have loved that because from day one, other than Captain Janeway, the doctor was the only character to fully support Seven and to completely respect her. At least that's always been my impression, whereas everybody mm-hmm. was a bit wary of her. So mm-hmm. didn't Takote marry her? Didn't they get married? Well, yeah, they, they get yeah. married in the future timeline. So I I agree that he that's exactly the, the relationship, you know, they had that that she, you know, that he respected her and was there for her. But I also view that as he was her doctor slash therapist. And to me, it would right. feel really creepy mm-hmm. if she were to fall for him. <laughs> it also doesn't help that there's a line of dialogue where he basically says that he's the one that created her outfit. Mm hmm. Which oh. I don't, yeah, which is like, oh, yes, I created her dermal, what did he calls it a dermal something? Dermal regeneration suit, something like that? Something yeah. like that. That's supposed to help her skin heal, which mm-hmm. is a cool idea. And I understand that they wanted to make the outfit because they wanted to, you know, get more sure. viewers into the show because mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's for guys or it was like geared as a, as a this is a man show. Mm-hmm. But it comes off as really creepy when <laughs> you have the doctor who's, middle-aged making this very tight outfit for someone well they all the way again for me like given that all the women wore really tight outfits that's that that part didn't i don't know that didn't bother me too much but like i said it would be like if she went for him it would be like her falling for her doctor forget that he's an ai no no you're quite right for a doctor no you're that's true yeah (laughs) and i mean you could also say that it's like she's not a child but sort of is in the fact that Mm -hmm. she's developing and learning and he so, was the yeah he was yeah, the mature right. adult really yeah so that mm, yeah. it would just <laughs> that's fair I just I wish it wasn't Chakotay but I have that's a whole other rant before mm-hmm. I answer I've got to get this off my mind and my heart okay because mm-hmm. I, I I have to admit I loved Voyager all the way through um, the episodes where they first encounter the Borg and there's a two part series two parter. Um, which I thought was fantastic television, especially for Star Trek. But because of First Contact, I was frustrated they went there with the Borg. Now, I understand the region of space they were in, all that stuff. I was was just kind of like, when they started doing Borg after Borg episode, Mm -hmm. I was like, they might run this show right off the air, which they didn't. I was yeah. totally dead wrong about that, but but there are a couple other things. I'm just going to air this right now. Yeah, um, let's do it. I know that's a huge is, problem with is, Voyager. Is is the way they I love the Tim Russ as as Tuvok. He's one of my favorite char- characters on that show. Um, but at first, I was like, oh my gosh, really? They're going here another Vulcan on the ship that's the really close friends with the captain. Like, I was like, how creative is that? Really? Um, uh, and then honestly, I didn't like the doctor either played beautifully by Robert Picardo, who did amazing things, both him and Tim Russ, um, I I think were amazing in their roles. Um, but again, the doctor annoyed me at first because I was like, he's just, they're going to make him evolve like data. Like I was like, I just didn't, he wasn't my favorite when the series started at all. Cause I was just like, I just didn't find much creativity. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like, okay, we have the next, we had the original, we had next gen, next gen build off of stuff, 
kind of pulled a few things from that. And then Deep Space Nine, though, was so original in many, many aspects. And we saw different types of characters. Um, and then Voyager, I felt like we kind of like they kind of went back to next gen. Okay, who? What are characters that people love, and how can we make it make them a little different? Package, repackage them. Yeah, um, but see, I think uh, that they. My, oh yeah, go, go ahead. for it. Well, so I think that they <laughs> I did told, the I doctor. This, is, this is this has been on my chest for a long time. No, so I, I don't disagree, but I think specifically with the doctor, I think the key difference that to me made all the difference mm. and why I was okay with it being still a similar journey from artificial thing to, you mm. know, kind of becoming more human. It was Data was a fully fledged member of the crew and basically accepted mm. as just another person. The doctor right, yeah. was not. The doctor yes, from day true. one. He, he was just he was just a computer program and for the most part was treated like a computer. Um, so to me, that that difference made all the difference. I see. That's that's a good that's that's good. Mm -hmm. And I would say even DS9 retreaded stuff like I would say, even though I think Odo is a vastly different character, he still has like the. He is, I would say, is the equivalent of the Seven of Nine, the Doctor, the Data character. The Journey, the Journey character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, who's learning what it means, or I guess is appreciating humanity and learning about it, even though he doesn't right, right. necessarily strive to be that way. Yeah. But I cool. would agree, though. The Borg do become less impressive <laughs> in Voyager because if you keep defeating the Borg every week, it's like, well, what's scary about them? So I think that was a problem with the Borg. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but, but they just kept. Okay, we beat the Borg again. All right, right. cool. And, no and I, I say that you can't argue with the success of Voyager. Uh, I mean, it's it's many people's favorite trek, um, and so I, I don't. You know, I'm glad it's a part of the Star Trek family, um, and I really enjoyed it up all through that. And I've watched the whole series, mm -hmm. um, but I've stated before in other places, DS, DS9 and Next Gen are my favorite. But, anyways, AI. Mm -hmm. uh, this was super tough for me, Adina, to think through this because, like you say, there's not a whole lot of representation. Um, uh, and part of that might be because Data was so such a strong character and a focus of a ton of episodes in the next gen. So maybe they decided later on after that to steer clear mm -hmm. of it a little bit. I don't know. Uh, uh, but I, I, to me, I, all I can go back to is Law. Uh, one episode where he creates Law, his daughter, and um, I would have been intrigued to see her have a few more episodes. I don't think it would have been good to carry her through the whole rest of the series, but mm -hmm. um, I, I would have enjoyed another two or three episodes to learn about her journey and how she was different. And I thought it was really neat how uh, with Guinan, uh she recognizes when she uses a contraction, you know, she says mm -hmm. can't, or I think it was can't. Um, and also a very powerful, and maybe it's now that I'm a parent watching this f with fresh eyes. Um, but when they start talking about dismantling her and she just starts pumping, hitting herself in her, yeah in her gut like like she's like what is this you know it's fear right you know it's it's she doesn't want that to happen and all of a sudden she's got this emotion that she doesn't know how to handle which of course causes things to kind of go downhill for her um internally um but that was 
again, you know, seeing it originally as a teenager and, and watching it many times since, but now as a parent, seeing her go through that um, was beautifully played and portrayed. Mm. Um, and then, of course, the emotion of her not surviving. Um, mm -hmm. And I loved how they made the admiral in that episode at yeah. the end kind of come around with some compassion finally. Uh, I mm -hmm. thought that was nice that, you know, he didn't just walk out of there and throw his towel on the floor and say, okay, that didn't work, <laughs> you know, um, that he was emotional about it. And even though he didn't say I was wrong, you get, you know, you get. He, he you knew get. he was wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, with like the, the way, yeah, that whole yeah. line about. Yeah, his that was done really well. So fast or something. So yeah, LOL really well. is, LOL is my favorite, but it's okay. just one of the ones I could think of though. So my answer is sort of is kind of close to that. Uh, at first I have to say the doctor was really close. I was also very close to, to choosing the doctor because I think the doctor is a great character. Uh, but my favorite, and it's not so much um, the Android, but kind of the discovery. So I really like Data's mom, Juliana in the inheritance. Uh, yeah. yeah. I was just watching that like a few days ago. And it's, it's not so much oh that I love gosh. her as an Android. It's more the fact that the discovery of she comes on the ship. She's she, as far as anyone knows, she's just as human as any other human. And she's got this relationship with, with, uh, you know, Data's Data's father. So, okay. It's his mom. But she's human. But there are things that are off, and then they discover that she's not human. Uh, that whole discovery process to me was was fantastic. And then it opened up the door for oh my gosh! After Data and after Doctor Soon got to that other planet that he was on, he kept working and he right. made some massive because the 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 if you look at Data and you look at Juliana like that there's a leap like there's massive yeah. leaps in technology which now paves the way for what we see in picard yeah. so I, yeah. I think she's she might be my favorite now that's a great that's choice cool. that's what a great choice. can i say the blinking thing is I, the coolest I, thing I, I don't remember that episode at all i oh I, my i i, what a treasure I, I you're gonna know season, season seven yeah. episode yeah. ten yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm yes. going to watch that one. It's a that treasure. It's remember. a treasure of an episode, Steve. And, thank you. And I kind of personally feel like season seven had some gems. It had some mm -hmm. really great stuff. I didn't feel it was a strong season, though, ultimately, personally. Mm -hmm. um, but it had some amazing episodes in it, though, and that is one of them. And that, I remember watching that being shocked. She's an yeah. android. What? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like there, and I like how they just the little clues, the little signs, like with yeah. her eyes. And mm -hmm. uh, I was going to say, I do yeah. love this idea that there's a mathematical program that can create mm -hmm. blinking, but to make mm -hmm. it look random, but only other <laughs> like, androids can right. detect it. It's, it's like it. the guys who invented the um, yeah. windshield wipers. Remember that film mm -hmm. uh, where they they couldn't find, they couldn't decide, they couldn't figure out how to make intermittent. Uh, windshield wipers, and it was this big, huge discovery and technological mm -hmm. breakthrough. Um, and I that's didn't that's know kind that. of, yeah, it's a great, oh, yeah. it's a fun movie to watch. It's a true story. Um, I forget the name of it though, but uh, anyways, Steve, I'm excited for you, man. That is a jewel of an episode. If you've yeah, never you. seen no, it, I, that is a fun one to see is, for the first one. Time. I, I, I like that story concept of of not knowing is it real. 
Or is it Memorex? You know? yeah. And so oh, I won't tell you, we're not going to tell you what actually eventually no, 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 happens. No, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Thank you. Because Thank there you. are more, more interesting, you know, what oh, happens at the very, mm-hmm. very end. Okay. So that's the homework. Yep. So I've got my list. So again, I, I, I might have to take off work for the next like week or two um, and watch all this, but you guys have, or at least you, Steve have, you've got to watch Inheritance. Uh, absolutely. I, no, I, I also like I also love the fact that it's another episode where the Enterprise saves a planet by phasering it, <laughs> which is like <laughs> the stupidest way of saying it. But it's just like, man, they they've saved a lot of planets it's just science. by drilling holes it's into science. the planet's yeah. crust. Or science something. fiction yeah. is what yep. it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. the science Are fiction. You, oh, it's oh, not yeah. real. Oh, I'm all for no, it. No, and and since I'm the old guy of the group, I'm going to throw one more movie at you, Adina, or anyone okay. else of the group to watch. 1970, Colossus, The Forbin Project. I've, I've heard of that one, but I've really? not I've seen never it. heard of that. Where old. the government creates the ultimate computer, and the ultimate computer takes over society. It's, it's called Colossus, The Forbin Project? The Forbin Project. The Forbin Project. Forbin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but yes, F-O-R-B-I-N. Okay. And how it becomes integrated into all of life, and ultimately, it takes over. It's, okay. it's scary. That, that sounds okay. like something oh, up my Netflix, alley. Apparently. Really a very good movie. So uh, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the ultimate computer. Where do we stand on the M5 and like mm-hmm. even Nomad? Mm-hmm. Because those are other ones that I think are kind of cool. I am perfect. You must be eliminated. Yeah. I am perfect. No, wait. I am perfect. <laughs> no. You have made an error. Oh, and might I say, the greatest defeat of a robot in the history of Star Trek was iMud. Yes. That's- so I was that I was uh-huh. this close to answering my favorite robot was Mud's androids because those were those were great. Yes, those, those were great, were cool. and I agree, Steve. The the way that they you know kind of got them to to yeah it basically mentally implode was was awesome. Yep, and that yeah, because- that, re- that reverse logic of everything I say is a lie. Is a lie. Yep, <laughs> I'm lying. How do you handle that statement? Mm-hmm. It's it, it, it blows his mind, and that's great. Yep. And that's yep. what, the third or... I think that's maybe the third time he destroys a computer by using that kind of logic, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think at that point, I'm just trying to... And, so I know he and, does it once in the first season. Well, so Nomad with, uh, Nomad was one. Right. Yeah, there was Landrew. Oh, right, right. Okay, yes. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Landrew. Oh, so, many good. Yeah. so, but I'd say if if for anyone listening who hasn't really watched the original series Star Trek and is just looking for an episode here or there, just just watch iMud iMud is a great one to just, you can watch that one without having, even though Mud himself is a returning character, you don't have to see the first episode with yeah. him in it just to, yeah. to watch that episode. The first episode <laughs> that he's in is very, very strange. Mud's, Mud's Women, women is, a hard is a little bit, it, it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's dark. Again, it's very dark. Yeah. It's dark, you know, about beauty and, and in the, you know, and what is to retain beauty. But that one, they have, they, the actors have so much fun playing mm-hmm. all the different roles. And, uh, Hardcore really. Fenton mud. Where have you been? What have you been <laughs> <Yeah>. up to? <laughs> the ultimate horrible uh, mate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Shut and up. And then uh, there yeah. was another. I thought there was another AI. I can't think of it now. There were there were yeah. a few um, because they used 
Androids or some version of Androids in a couple thing. Oh, mm. I'd have to go. You know, that was in, the, in preparing for this episode tonight. Me. I didn't really look at the original series right. too much because other than thinking of MUDs, you know, the, the, the MUDs Androids and Nomad, I really didn't think too deeply. But yeah, yeah. how about V'ger? Because V'ger is like a Nomad. From from yeah. the motion picture. Yeah. Yep. It was yeah. very similar to Nomad. I didn't um, even think about V'ger. Did, people, did yeah. people like generally, did you guys like V'ger or? Is it cool as a concept? Or I like the concept. Of? I don't think the movie was executed well, but I really like yeah. And actually, it's been on my mind recently to just rewatch because it's the one that I've probably rewatched least frequently mm. out of any oh. Trek movie. And so it's been a long time. So I've, I've thought that I should probably just do it. Um, it's a good, if you're doing like, if you're doing other things around the house that need to get done, <laughs> that's the perfect. That's yeah. what I would describe it as. Because yeah. you can have it on the background. Yeah. You can listen to it, but you don't need to be so engaged. That, that, right. that's, that's fair. And the difference between V'ger and Nomad, Nomad interacts with them. He speaks to them. He explains himself, whereas mm-hmm. V'ger is just there. And they try to figure out everything. Mm-hmm. And V'ger never, ever once communicates. Is it right? I mean, I don't think he won. Well, well she communicates v- through the probe, through our lead. Yeah. Or, yeah, but- through, yeah, when he takes over the, the kills the woman character mm-hmm. um forget her name Ilya uh, I think I, I don't yeah, know Leah. yeah, yeah Leah. and then yeah. she comes yeah. back to life as an android that he's speaking mm-hmm. through her yeah but it just doesn't have the same impact I, to me as mm-hmm. as as a nomad and it's the same thing going back who's you know the who's the creator I have going back to the point of programming and then confusing Kirk with the yeah, creator with Kirk Roy Kirk yeah and so the machine has failed, is flawed, he must self-destruct. Yep. So that's the great part of that. That's the storyline there where... Which is fun. It's a, yeah. it's a fun storyline. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a fun episode. Highly recommend yeah. it. I always go back to that. Okay. Yep. Yep. So I'm going to say, do we all have our homework assignments for this coming week? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think so. I still need to like do two episodes of Boba Fett. Oh, I got I, oh, Yeah, I yes. don't even... Oh, I, I have... I'm so behind on anything I'm... on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Which means all of the current Star Wars, I'm 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 behind. What on Star Wars? Yeah, well, we we can discuss what our what we're going to talk about next week, um, off podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. But needless to say, I can I just say to you guys, this is so much fun. And Adina, this was a great topic. Mm-hmm. Um, Robot, Steve, thanks for putting out iRobot as our as what yes. we should watch. Yes, thank you. It opened um, the door to that whole two season series there's a lot of epi- there's like 31 episodes i think mm-hmm. it in was... each season so there's a lot you can watch for the first time if you've mm-hmm. never seen it mm-hmm. um but i i just you never know what we're going to talk about on the big sci-fi podcast i love mm-hmm. that um this and, is true yeah yeah well everyone thanks for listening to another episode of the big sci-fi podcast mm-hmm. if you have questions or suggestions email us at big sci-fi podcast at gmail.com so until next time i am adina mignona author of crazy foolish robots and i'm brian donahue treat others the way you want to be treated guys and i'm christian fox and uh, i do a podcast yelling about star trek and also uh, i agree with brian treat everyone the way you want to be treated and just you know be nice to each other end of speech And I'm Steve Merkin, and all I can say is that old expression, I've forgotten more than you'll ever know. And I really (laughs) find out from talking to people, there's a lot I really don't know. And thank you 
for sharing your insights with me. Great. Thank you, guys. And thank you, everyone out there for listening.